Are we doing this? Really? Wait for it. Are we doing this? Wait for it. Ow! What the fuck? WTF. And it's also, eh, what the fuck? What's wrong with me? It's time for WTF. What the fuck? With Mark Marin. Let's do this. Is that how it starts? Oh my God, what is wrong with me? How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fucking ears? What the fuck, Nicks? This is Mark Marin. This is WTF. Thank you for being here. I appreciate you being here in, in these times of trials and tribulations that are my life. God damn it. God, why can't I just be fucking normal? Why can't I just live a mediocre, easy life? Why isn't that an option for me? Why? Because I'm fucked up inside and I'm not self-pitying. I'm not whining. I'm not complaining. I just realize it now that I've got a new and exciting depth of fucked upness that I I just never really took responsibility for. Hey, look, I I don't know if you give a shit or I don't know if you you think I'm whining. I don't know if uh, if you're like, oh, here goes Marin again. But I do know one thing. I am about as honest with you people as I am in my life. And you guys, you are the people I talk to about stuff. You and, and this therapist, it's not working out. Occasionally, Dr. Steve, the friends and people I have coming in here. I, let's do this right now because I don't really know where I'm going with this. It's the holidays and this is not a good time for me to be crazy. Pow! Wow, I think I shit my pants. The holiday version. Yeah, go to justcoffee.coop or wtfpod.com to the justcoffee.coop link and get yourself some WTF blend. That's got me right there on the package, and I get a few bucks. Look, I'm distracted. Where do I even start with this? Let's start with this. Let's start with this. I got a problem with Boomer, all right? My cat. And I think this will come around. I think that I'll be able to pull this, thread this through somehow. My cat Boomer lives outside for a reason. Boomer is sort of an asshole, all right? What is that? Uh, Someone's sawing? It's fucking pouring out. You got to be kidding me. Dennis is working on his desk and it's fucking pouring out. That is a level of OCD commitment or avoidance that I, you know, I actually envy because I'm, I'm pretty good at distracting myself as well, which will also thread through what I'm about to talk to you about. So Boomer, needless to say, is an incredible charmer. God damn it. Is that noise? You got to be kidding me. Hold on. Yep, Dennis is out there under his patio with his giant dog who's got a giant cone around his neck. It just, and it's pouring rain. It's it's like some sort of weird, like Cheever-esque portrait of suburbia that I don't even want to go into. Let's go into back to Boomer. So Boomer's got this problem. He pisses in the house. He pisses on shit. He pisses where you eat. He pisses on your shoes. He pisses on your bed. He pisses on luggage. He pisses in luggage, okay? He'll piss anywhere when you're not seeing. He sprays this shit, all right? That, and he beats the shit out of LaFonda. LaFonda, sweet little crazy LaFonda, who is a a petite but powerful cat. Boomer picks on her. Picks on Monkey, who can't defend himself because Monkey's really, you know, at heart, a pussy, pussy cat. So Boomer in the rain gets real charming. He gets, you know, right outside the door and just like, how, how, how? And he's got this really throaty, almost like, you know, it's a sad meow. And, but, you know, he's a, he's a, he's a badass, but he puts on this fucking show. So I let him in. 
and I keep an eye on him. And I, you know, I literally think, all right, Boomy, you're all right. And he'll go in, he'll lay down somewhere and I'll let him sleep there for a little while. And as he sits there, I start thinking to myself, maybe he's okay now. Maybe he doesn't pee anymore. Maybe my shoes will be protected. Maybe he won't ruin every pair of fucking boots I have. Maybe he won't pee where I make my coffee. Maybe that won't happen again. This is my sickness. I'm starting to believe it. And I'm thinking, well, maybe I can leave him in here. So I brought him in here. I brought him into the house today. And what did he do? He just made a beeline for my bedroom, turned into a wild fucking animal and tried to beat the shit out of LaFonda. And I had to throw him out. And it was then I realized, dude, it's not like boomers out there going to meetings about how not to pee on shit or how not to beat the shit out of LaFonda. He's got no program that's going to help him. He doesn't change He's an animal. He's hardwired to do this shit. There's nothing you can do to stop it, especially a cat. So I got to put him back outside and just deal with that. How? 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 Over and over again. Heartbreaking. But he's not going to change. And there's nothing I can do about that. Maybe I'll let him in. He can take a nap inside. But then out he goes. How does this tie into everything else? Well, I'm, I'm a little sad. My relationship has ended and I wanted it not to end, but it had to end. You know why? Because I've got to take responsibility for some shit that goes on. I I don't even know how to explain this, but I recently had an experience I really didn't want to have. I was listening to my act coming out of my mouth and thought in the middle of it, Jesus, why doesn't somebody help this guy out? Why doesn't somebody help this guy out? I'm listening to the fucking heartache and the goddamn pain and my own goddamn fucking comedy as it's coming out of my my mouth wondering why doesn't he help himself out? And then I realized, dude, it's you. You're talking to you and your own fucking body freak show. Now, I know some of you may accuse me of navel gazing, of perhaps being heady or or overly involved in self-awareness. But I had this fucking realization. I look, I, I have something in me it's 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 a p s d e e d let me explain to you what that is i am cursed with a p s d e e d now i've decided that my parents are an emotional terrorist organization and what they have done involuntarily though that doesn't let them off the hook completely is that inside of my chest there is strapped a perpetual self-detonating emotional explosive device. That is my heart. That is how I, I, I have a perpetual self-detonating emotional explosive device in my chest. It's strapped in there. It's held in by muscle and a rib cage. It was, it was wired by my parents. And look, I'm not blaming them. I'm not anything else, but at, at for a certain point, how many relationships can I get into where I blow up? As soon as someone gets close to me, I'm an emotional suicide bomber. I'm just designed to explode out of a tremendous fear of intimacy and a lot of other shit that I've just never dealt with. And then if I'm alone, which I am now, I'm sad. I'm, uh, I look at my life and I think, what the fuck happened? Uh, and then I try to distract myself like Dennis next door. I should be out in the rain sawing something, but I do it differently. I cook, I play guitar, I you know, take a bunch of nicotine lozenges, I smoke cigars, I shove shit into my face, uh, I jerk off, I do anything 
I do anything. I drive around. I, I run ridiculous errands. You know, I've gotten very committed to figuring out how to grind my coffee properly by going down to the Vaughn supermarket, using their grinder, by sneaking in a bag uh, it, you know, of my coffee, putting it in their coffee grinder that I've, and I've ground it too fine, no less than three times to make espresso with. But I see this as a life mission. What is that all about? Is it really about coffee? Is it really about, uh, cooking really well? Or is it just me not being able to sit with my fucking sad ass self for 10 minutes without going into some sort of tailspin of sadness and loneliness and self-reflection, morbid self-reflection. God damn it. When does this shit stop? So now I've got to deal with this shit. Like, how, don't you ever wonder? Don't you ever wonder? Don't you ever ask yourself, like, why didn't Mark have any kids? Why didn't Mark? How come Mark couldn't stay married twice? Well, I'll tell you why. Because I have a perpetual, self-detonating, emotionally explosive device strapped inside my fucking chest. And until I figure out how to fucking disarm it and live like a goddamn adult, it's always going to repeat itself. So I've begun some training on how to, uh, to disarm the bomb in my chest. It's going to take some vigilance. I know I'm being vague about certain things, but that's out of respect for other people involved. And because I'm, I'm not sure how to really address anything right now other than I've got to take responsibility for this thing inside of my chest before it hurts anybody else or continues hurting me. And I'm trying to focus, trying to focus. I'm trying to focus with the intensity of Tom Cruise in Mission Impossible. Time is running out. There's sweat on my brow and I have to disarm the bomb in my chest. I don't know how long it's going to take. God damn, man. Oh, yeah. By the way, Merry Christmas. This is going to be the last show uh, before the Christmas break because this Thursday we're doing the live from UCB, which is a good show. We got uh, Bill Cosby, Bill Cosby Bukowski, Aaron Foley, Eddie Pepitone, uh, Jim Earl and Dr. Steve. I bring Dr. Steve in to do an intervention uh, on Eddie and his anger problem. And then we get it gets pretty real, pretty wild. And also, mind you, I may be reaching out to Dr. Steve to process some of this stuff this core issue shit that I'm talking about. If this kind of stuff doesn't interest you, I understand that. If you just, you know, if you, you're a pull yourself up by your bootstraps kind of guy or kind of gal who was like, you know, ah, quit whining, quit this, quit that. You know, this isn't funny. You know, I get it, but fuck you. I got to deal with this shit. I'm going to do it this way and I'm going to do it as as respectfully as possible. And and we'll see what happens. I mean, obviously, I'm not gonna, it's not going to turn into a fucking therapy program. I mean, that would be crazy. Me doing a program that's basically therapy for me i mean that is ridiculous i mean would i let that happen wow but anyways merry christmas and uh please be grateful for what you have and and uh, try to be as loving as possible to those around you and i hope you get a nice present or two now let's uh, talk to jackie cation jackie cation is uh, one of my favorite comedians um she is a comedian uh, she is a woman that I have a completely appropriate relationship with, and I'm very excited to talk to her. And she's from the Midwest. All of that is just makes for what I think is a wonderful conversation. Happy holidays. <laughs> 
Right now in the garage at the Cat Ranch is Jackie Cation. Hello, Mark Marin. What kind of name is Cation? It's Armenian. Really? Yes. Both your parents? No, no, just my dad. My mom, uh, an Irish-Norwegian blend. My wow. father went out uh, outside the the fold to get uh, so he could have kids with a without hip dysplasia. That's and that's uh, that's sort of I imagine in the Armenian community a, a, as big a no no as a, a Jew or anybody else oh, yeah. going. You know what the Armenian word for goyim is? What odar? Odar. Odar. That sounds like a villain in a science fiction movie. It is a villain in a science fiction movie. <laughs> and your mom was one. <laughs> you know it, and she was never approved of <laughs> by my grandmother. Oh, so. But but you did you like have this whole Midwestern thing? You you're like right. a real. Where is it? Wisconsin. Yeah, Wisconsin, outside of Milwaukee. A little factory town outside of Milwaukee called South Milwaukee. And was your mom like one of the original sort of Norwegian, you know, you know? She was more Irish than Norwegian. Like her, but both of her parents were immigrants too. Like both of my dad's parents were immigrants. And, and then both of my, my mom's parents were But immigrants. were your mom's parents there, were, was she part of the, the original kind of like settlers of Wisconsin? Wasn't Wisconsin you know, sort of settled by Swedes and Nordic yes, folks? Yes, by a genuine Northern European white folk, but not uh, in, in my case because, well, here's the thing. We never really knew them because my mother died when I was seven. Yeah. I didn't kill her. It's not yeah. my fault. We're very proud, though, because she died on a Harley Davidson. <laughs> Did she really? Yeah, yeah. Well, oh. I'm from Milwaukee. Could you imagine if the neighbors, if she had been killed on a Kawasaki? <laughs> I thought you said she died in childbirth when you were seven. It took a long time. <laughs> oh, she bred. She was breeding. She was Irish Catholic. So, uh, How many sisters and bros do you have? I have uh, four brothers and a sister. Youngest is six. Holy shit. Yeah, that's that sounds painful, doesn't it? Yeah, it sounds painful. I, w- I would have died, too, at 33, just to get out. So she died in a motorcycle accident? Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it, was, uh, it was dumb. It was uh, drunk driving. She, she was, was drunk? She was drunk. Her boyfriend was drunk. My parents were separated at the time. Uh, and horrible, horrible... Hi, listeners. Yeah. Uh, they Welcome. F- uh, Welcome. Harley Davidson, Harold, and my mom, Anne, uh, flipped off the overpass, fell onto the highway below, and were run over by cars. All right. And uh, welcome to the what, show, what? ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Jackie Cation is here sharing some wonderful, quaint Midwestern stories right about the, her family. Right off the bat. Let's cut open a vein. Let's yeah. do it. Let's oh, do it. Oh, my God. Now, did you... Wait, so, you inspire it, though. You inspire... I always say this about you. I'm like, yeah. the thing about Mark is that you have money. He's just like, I'm going to cut a vein. Do yeah. you want to join We're me? We're open. Yes. Everything's open. <laughs> We're all bleeding here. We're talking. Did you find that, I mean, how did it affect your life as you grow older? Do you find you have issues that are directly related to that? You know what? I don't think I do, or if I do, my my father did because my father was gone. Yeah. And then he remarried almost immediately because that's what you do. he took all the kids? Yeah, because he he saw none of us for like, he saw my youngest brother. Oh, that's a point of contention. Uh, In the three years that they were were separated, three or four years that they were separated, Uh um, he only saw my brother, uh, Russ. The golden child, the uh-huh. child that has done no wrong. How did, and is it still, has that held? It is, it is held to this really? day. Yes. He lived up to golden child status. And they, the two of them hang out like old women. That They're is the so only rare. people who see Usually the golden child story is like, he was the chosen one, then they fuck it all up. Well, my oldest brother used to be the golden child, my brother Terry, and then he fucked it all up. Oh, and he dropped shit. the ball. He oh, dropped the ball. Oh, shit. Mm-hmm. So now it's just you and uh and No. Well I'm, well the thing is, is I, I'm more of a hub, like anybody will talk to me. Yeah. You know, I'm like uh D- Talk, d- tell Jackie. Dump call it Jackie. on Jackie. Dump it on Jackie. See if Jackie knows uh, Dad's <laughs> cell phone number. See if Jackie knows. Our stepmother's name is Nancy. Uh-huh. And uh, they're like, no one wants to know. 
No one wants to talk to Nancy, but yeah. everyone wants to know how she is. Right. How is Nancy? Uh, so well, they, she's fine. They, and you're the only one? I'm the only one. You're the, you're the, you're the conduit to Nancy? Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Russ That's has tried job. to be the conduit to Nancy, but Nancy, for some reason, rejecting it. I think it's because he has children, and she never wanted children. And yet she married my father when she was 27 years old. And he had uh, six. And he had six, ages 7 to 17. Holy shit. Yeah. And she held through? I mean, yeah, do, mm-hmm. and do any of your sibs have a good relationship with her? No, no, just me. And mine is barely. Really? Yeah. And they're still married? Uh, no, they're divorced. And, complicated. Right, very complicated, because my father almost immediately started having affairs. After he married her? Yeah. This is good stuff. I think right? It seems like we he have... Not, my father is, uh, in many ways, a bad person. Uh-huh. Uh, has made some <laughs> terrible choices for the woman who chose to raise his children for him. He has decided to screw around on her. And, uh, yeah. And you guys, did you all turn out relatively all right? Or Yeah, that's the miracle. That is the freak. I, I have ri- I've tried to write about this. Uh-huh. I have tried to do stuff, and I can't figure out what it is. I can't figure out why we did, because I have... There are people in South Milwaukee, Wisconsin, a factory town in yeah. Wisconsin... Yeah. Yeah. That have almost the same story, and they uh, wake and bake, live in Cudahy, and work. Uh, this woman, Karen Baldwin, who I went to high school with, uh, works as an administrative assistant at the school system, lives across the hall from her mom. They both rent apartments. I mean, it's like the saddest. Wisconsin, parts of Wisconsin could be very sad. I There was a woman that I, um, there's my last friend from high school, yeah. I will tell you this, yeah. is he, um, Paul Burridge, his mom, I went to a, a New Year's Eve party uh-huh. uh, in college. Yeah. The first year I came back from college, my parents were like, do you want to go to the church New Year's Eve party? And yeah. I said, yes, I do. So I went to Racine, Wisconsin, to the Armenian church, and where I got super drunk and made out with Tim Tarosian, a man I am no lo- no doubt related to. And uh, and my, my father, by the way, got me to win the lottery, yeah. like got me to win the, one of the raffle prizes. The, so you mean he fixed it at the church raffle? He fixed it at the church raffle uh-huh. to get me out of the closet with Tim Tarosian. And uh, so the following year, he's like do you want to come to this party again and i was like no 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 i think it'd be wise if i don't <laughs> and uh, so i go with paul burridge to his parents house yeah and i don't see and it had a lovely time yeah. a sober lovely wisconsin frugal frugal moment where we all uh sat around and watched it's a wonderful life who knows yeah. but uh three years later i run into mrs burridge at the coles and i say oh i had a lovely time the last time i saw you was in, at the new year's eve party i came to your house and she goes Oh, that was three. What year was that? That was the year we had the shrimp ring. <laughs> shrimp ring, right? Ring of shrimp with yeah, cocktail sure, sauce, sure. eleven ninety nine yeah, over at the Albertsons. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I was like, you deserve a shrimp ring every every week. You should have a night of dinner where you yourself just get a shrimp ring, Mrs. Burridge. I almost burst into tears. I was that, like, that, that that was the high point. That was the high point. That was the marker. Right. Treat yourself to a freaking shrimp oh, ring. Oh my god, you should have one delivered every month. But you, <laughs> shrimp ring a surprise. month. <laughs> There's got to be a, a website where you can get a shrimp ring a month oh club. Oh my god, the shrimp ring a month club. I want that to be real. Well, it's <laughs> so it's also sweet that everybody turned out all right. There's no tragedy. I know. Well, there was. You know, my oldest brother is an evangelist with his own church, and almost Stop no it. one talks to us. Talks to him, except me again. Uh, and I have a hard time talking to him. Did he come to Christianity later in life, or he came? He well, you know, he was troubled. He was the troubled youth. He was. Uh, he he was jail? the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like uh, crime and and hitting and uh, and a lot of that sort of thing. So he didn't turn out so good. He didn't. He just look, found Jesus, and, and that's why he lost. That's why he lost the the much the golden coveted boy. golden child. Oh uh, shit! Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then and so he found the Jesus when he was about nineteen. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And and tried to go to seminary school in huh. Florida, yeah. and then decided that. Now he knew it. 
And he's a bossy, bossy man. So, of course, he knew it. And uh, he quit his own church like four years ago. He had had this church for like 20, 25 years, right? He built a flock? He built a flock. How big? Um, 250. That's 300 nice. people, not, not you know, That's enough nice that thought. he had to have a day job kind oh, of thing. But, oh, really? He yeah. wasn't making a living no, off the but, flock. But he took his, he has four kids himself. He took them for two weeks to Disney World. Huh. Guess that's tens of thousands of dollars. Okay, so the you know? flock helped out a little, right? I think that there was some skimming off the top. Yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah. So, but he, but he, um, yeah, but I, we, he quit his own church a couple of years ago, and now he's back. But um, what do you do with a flock when you quit a church? Do you say that like you know I'm done? I'm you sorry. You pass the baton to somebody. Yeah, oh, you okay. say you're sorry, and okay. then, and the, but the church, the hall was in the back of his house. <laughs> So, so some of the guys, some other guys preach into his flock, and he's just flock. watching television. And he's watching television and trying to sort of get it together. And and uh, the speculation, the reason he quit yeah. in the family is because yeah. of the glass ceiling. There was just the one job left, and they weren't uh, willing to worship him. Oh, really? Yeah, that's okay. uh, yeah, because uh, he, he a, thinks he is the Lord. He wanted to, he wanted to make the transition into actual cult leader. Yes, and they wouldn't have it. <laughs> exactly. Right. Right. There was no. Yeah, there was no actual cult leader. And then my second oldest brother was in the Moonies, and we had to kidnap him to program him. Get the fuck out of here. Wait, I know. This is not the golden child. No, this no, was... this is, oh my God, Phil is such, he was such a, a, a stoner fuck up when he was a kid. So you got the oldest one who was Who's... a problem child, and now he's a- uh, And he's an uh, evangelist. He's an evangelist trying to cross over into cult leader status. Right. And then the next one down <laughs> next was one a down. stoner, and he was a Mooney. Right, he was a Mooney, and we had to kidnap him to program him. We saw it on the Phil Donahue show. This all happened in the 70s. How old were you? Uh, I think I must have been ten. So who ki- who did the kidnapping? How'd that work? Well, you hire out. This this will fascinate you, Mark Marin, uh, because uh, when they deprogram you, what they do is they reprogram you. They keep you in a room, uh, and they just keep talking to you. Moon they, isn't the Messiah. Reverend they Moon keep, is. They, the... they show pictures of Reverend Moon. They scratch it. They put exactly. An axe they over just his face. They, like kick him. Bad in the foot, man. They, they hit him with their shoe, <laughs> and uh, you know whatever. And then yeah. and but all of your favorite foods are there. But they don't. They sleep deprive you. I mean, it's like it's almost. They might as well waterboard you. But they essentially talk you into by the end of it I, I guess Phil folded it like five days and just said fine I don't like him anymore I don't like him anymore I'll go to sleep now <laughs> it's exactly <laughs> but the weird thing is is they reprogram everybody to be Christians oh so right. the service if, is actually a Christian reach out service well, outreach service if you want to make your kid back into like a Muslim mm-hmm. or a Jew you have to pay extra oh but so they got to bring a special because they got to bring in a specialist the Jew costs a little more money yeah, exactly <laughs> And the Muslim guy barely works. He right, retired. That guy, to, yeah, that guy. You know, no shit, no shit. So what's that guy doing now, your brother? So he's a total atheist right now, unless you count the Lord of the Rings, which I do. Yeah, and because uh, he's just gone completely <laughs> yeah. into science fiction, fantasy land, is what he does, and he sells printing for a living. How old is he? He's got to be fifty. Yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah. He sells printing. What does that mean? He he he, he deforests n- entire nations. He sells like flyers and crap that you get in the mail. He has a printing business. Well, he, it, no, he's a print salesman. So, like, if you want to get something printed, you know, oh, like, oh, like if GE has their their nat their their and he'll mail it report, for you. Yeah, like he works for a company that'll that'll staple and mail it and okay. print it. And, so that's the the golden child. And then we got Phil. And then we, we got moved Phil's down, the Mooney. And then, and then Scott, always just kind of a jackass. Yeah, uh, he uh, <laughs> epileptic. Uh, well, didn't talk sick. to him for like fifteen years. 
Really? Yeah, yeah. He was a hitter. He used to hit the shit out of me. And then guess what? I said, stop hitting me. Yeah. And then I stopped. I, I stopped talking to him. And uh, well, you know what happens when I stop talking to you? That's Things, it. Tr- there's been some trouble because I'll talk to almost anyone. It right. turns out I will still talk to my father. So, uh, yeah. So, but he's he's a um, commodities broker in Chicago, in Chicago. So he got out. He got out. Went for the golden ring. Right, right. Went for the golden ring. Uh, has a giant bag of money as a doorstop and is a perfectly nice man now. And you get along with him. And I get along with him. And my sister rehooked it. Like went, She said, I'm sick of not knowing where the hell Scott is. Yeah. And went on the internet. It took about seven minutes to find him. And uh, called him up. And he was like, huh. And uh, After how long? 15, Holy 20 years. Holy shit. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Really? Long time. Long All right, time. So that, okay, so that's Scott. And then we go down another one. Yep. And then there's Russ, the golden child, who's an econ professor at the University of Wisconsin. But not Madison. Whitewater. Uh. Mm. Anyway. <laughs> <meow>. <laughs> and did uh, had he consulted him about the current economic situation? Oh, he's very conservative. He's very conservative. You know, he hates uh, Krugman. Or yeah, Paul Krugman. Paul sure. Krugman, yeah. sure. You know, he, um, he calls himself the hee-haw economist. Because he does, he mostly does a uh, rural, uh, the effects of, of like farm, rural Wisconsin econ. Yeah, and he's he's testified before Congress and about what farming about farm farming and econ and, and yeah, far, I don't even know. So your dad loves him still. Oh my my dad, they're on board. They're okay. on board. So then we got moved from him to my sister, who uh, is a lesbian, and I out her only because if you were to Google her, she's gay. It right. turns out, and uh, you Google what you Google her name, and it, it and, just says lesbian. Yeah, it just says Darlication lesbian, <laughs> and uh, she's well, she's on like gay rights things. And oh, okay. She's a, a commodity. Uh, she's a um, what the people who help you invest in stuff. Right. Uh, personal finance. Okay. Whatever. She works at RBC Dan Rauscher. Okay. And um, she's a yeah, uh, like your broker. A broker. Yeah, she's a broker of right. some sort. Yeah, right. yeah, and uh, but she does like socially responsible investing. So um, uh, maybe I'll call her. Yeah, if you need a lady, she's um, into the uh, green industries. Green like, industries, and she's willing to she's go she's willing to go um, possibility of green just to make you some money. Oh, so okay. as opposed to my brother Scott, who's like, you want to invest on an oil well on Indian land? Sure. I'm your, I'm your go to. You 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 so, in, you uh, you interested in a leaky oil well on the ocean floor? We have those. Yes, we sure. have those, and you will make money. How about shirts made by children? <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> These shoes were made by toddlers. They're tiny hands. It's very nice. And then, then we go to you or one more sister? <laughs> That's me. Just And then me. Holy so stand-up comedy. Huh? Yeah. Why what wouldn't else, I? What else are you going to do? Exactly. And it's hilarious because when I came home and I told my stepmother that I was doing stand-up comedy, she said, you're not the funny one. Oh. Russ is. Oh, you know why? Russ. And I was like, how does Russ get to be everything? Yeah. Russ gets to be the smart one. Yeah. He gets to be the successful one. And you said what? Fuck you. I said, screw you. This is my know. first joke. We just wrote it. <laughs> we wrote it together. You're not. <laughs> yeah. You and me. Now, how long have you been fucking doing it? I mean, it's been a long time. You're like the real deal. Yeah. I mean, do you, I mean, how long? I mean, Uh, I started in 86 and then uh, I got a 1.8 that semester and then I started again in 90. And you dropped out of school. No, no. I, no I, oh, well, you stayed in. Right, it was, it was Kinnison. Thing. Remember Kinnison? Sure. It was Sam Kinnison's brother, Bill, owned the club that I started at in the University of Wisconsin Madison in in Madison, Wisconsin. Bill Kinnison owned. Nice the club. guy, huh? <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. I uh, I didn't had no idea he owned a club. So you started in '86, and that's mm-hmm. when I started. Are you my age? I think so. I'm 47. 45. Shit. Yeah. We've been doing it the same amount of time. Right. I, rem- I remember you when you were uh, younger. Right, right. 97. I think I met you at Aspen. 96, okay. 97. Right. The one of the first, maybe the, 
that would have been like the, the second, second or third. year of, yeah. of, of Aspen. Yeah. Right. And yeah. there was a, a big crunch on like who's got the pot that year. I think that's a game we played. Where's that's the, a fun game. Where's where are people <laughs> smoking pot? Uh, you know what I wanted? Oxygen. I yeah. freaking hate that town. It's uh, <laughs> it was the dumbest. That Aspen, Colorado is the dumbest town full of fur families I've ever seen. I, in my I life. was there for the what's left of uh, whatever. Uh, I don't. I went there for a festival in off season. The rooftop festival. Oh, the rooftop festival. You still can't breathe. What, still doesn't can't matter breathe. What season it is? I'm supposed to go twice next year. Why? For rooftop and for this other uh, sort of like it's like a Max Fun Con almost, but uh, it's just run by comics. And it's horrible because like, you're there for like three days. You spend two not being able to breathe and possibly with diarrhea and shortness. And, and trying to drink all the water in the world that right. doesn't help. And and you, you your your speech is fucked up. Right. Like you can't get your timing right. Because right. You can't get your time. Oh, and that was the first time I'd ever had like a real showcase in front of everybody. Lisa Line Gang yeah. uh, booked me. Lisa Lane Gang, who is now at Comedy Central, who was then at God knows where. She's been everywhere. She's Originally, been everywhere. the booker for the San Francisco Improv. I'm surprised she wasn't seating people at some point. I'm sure she was. I'm some sure of them are was. like that. Yeah, there, yeah. there are club managers like Dave Vecchi, my old manager. What, he ran a club. He was a club manager for the Improv. Oh, I right. Mean, down Irvine or something, right? Yeah. Chris Albrecht, who was uh, head of HBO, was also Messina a club. Messina used to book one-nighters in Long Island. Rick Messina, my He old, had a club that Judd Apatow's mom was the hostess at. What? That's how Judd Apatow got into comedy. If you listen to that wow. podcast, I believe it was Rick Messina had an actual club on the island where Judd lived. And after his parents got divorced, his mom was a hostess there. And wow. he used to wash dishes at Rick Messina's club. Do you know what that rivals? What? That rivals... Um the Malcolm X autobiography. It's the same thing. <laughs> Both of them like leaders that. of people. <laughs> leaders of people, Rick Messina <laughs> and Malcolm X. But my favorite part of the what was I don't know why this has come into my mind, but my fa- one of my favorite parts of Malcolm X's life was he was a busboy with Red, Red Fox. Red Fox, that's right. Yeah, in Harlem. Yep. Yeah. How yep. awesome is that? It could have went either way for Malcolm. Right. Yeah, I guess you know, thank you. You know, if <laughs> I Red loved if you would have done stand up. <laughs> if Red had been less funny, who right? knows who would have stepped up on stage. Exactly. Oh well, my god. That's that would have crazy. changed history. If Red Fox were the, the a, a, a civil rights leader, <laughs> what are you looking at? Yeah. Y'all got to go down and march on something. Torch that. Torch it. I, I can't do voices. <laughs> By any mean necessary. <laughs> By any mean. <laughs> yes. Because he never enunciates. Someone must have done that. Some black comic has had to tap oh, that I hope uh, so. vein. Doesn't you realize it? that there's How's like 10,000 comics in the world? I don't want to think about it. And there's, there's, a, show, there's a podcast out there called... Uh, Green Room Radio, right? Yeah. That the guy only interviews serious road dogs. Right. Like he'll interview anybody. You could he, he would interview you. But um, Where is this? He's out of Denver. I'm sure I don't know why I haven't heard from him. I've never done Denver. I can't seem to get work at the Comedy, comedy Works. works. Did the, they they sent me to the open mic line. Oh, when they I did? called up? Yeah, yeah. Recently? Uh, about a year ago. No. Yep. They're like, "Well, let, let me hook you up where you can uh, leave your avails." Really? Yeah. And you did you have management call? No, no, I didn't have I didn't have Melanie call. That's but, a, that's unbelievable. Right, but Kathleen Madigan had just talked to Wendy, who's the woman who books it, right. and said when when she opened that second club, and uh, and Madigan Madigan cracks me up just because um, she's like a, she is like the uh, in some ways the original modern uh, woman comic somehow because she's been out there and doing this for a long time she's got a strong fan base and she does the work she's a fucking road act yeah yeah she's a road act and but yet it's not it's not hecky and i she had me i never met her i didn't meet her until i did last comic and people were like you've never met kathleen madigan and i was like i know i don't know i won't tell you but um but she was like 
tell me you're making a good living at this. And I was like, no, no. <laughs> and uh, she was, and she said, well, you should. And I said, well, if there's anything you could do about that, knock yourself out. And so she called like Wendy and she called Robert Hartman. She called all these people and were like, you have these rooms where you just need good headliners. Yeah. And I, I am a good headliner. Yeah. I am. I People love the magic of yeah. Jackie Cation for forty five to an hour. I certainly do. Yeah, yeah. The long my long set is is as good as anybody's. Quite honestly, sure. I mean, it isn't. Whatever. I'm not even going to go there because why go there? Right. Wait, Just wait, say thank you very much. You, who are you about to compare yourself to? I'm, oh my God, Bamford. Oh really? Yeah, yeah, Maria. I was like, it isn't genius, but it's it's better than average. I would say. I'd say I'm as good as I'm as good as anybody. But the weird thing about you know when you you draw it's the oranges and fucking apricots. That's right. I mean, yeah. the thing about comedy is that you know the one thing you do have is your own voice. You have your own experience. You have your own style. You've paid your dues. So I mean, why why can and why the, even the, go there? But, but of course I have to. But right. The, but the funny thing is is that you know i know we all do but you know bamford yeah in in a certain situation could not do what you do and i've heard a story from maria and maybe you ought to tell me the other side of that story that philadelphia that uh pennsylvania thing what where she went and she said that you know i you're not the way she framed it was that like uh she felt bad because they were expecting something else what happened okay so first of all i heard that she told that story and it's true Here's what happened. Uh, we went to Erie, Pennsylvania, and we show up. It's a, I think it's like a Tuesday through Saturday, yeah. And um, and the shows start at like seven thirty or seven o'clock at night. the The shows start too early. Uh, he just decided that year that he was going to bring in new blood because he had had the same twelve comics or fifty comics from New York City that he had had for the last twelve years, right? And so he decided, like, he brought in Bill Dwyer and Maria yeah. and Doug and. Graham Elwood and I mean he brought in like all these people that were different mm-hmm, right mm-hmm. and uh, the audience was in shock to some extent <laughs> with they Maria were with well with Maria but I think with all of them uh-huh. I hear Bill did a good job but Dwyer um, yeah Dwyer well, because, he's a little more mainstream right right he's, he's a little more you know golden retriever of stand up comedy sure. which uh, you know everybody wants to yeah. and, and he'll he, go get that laugh he'll, he'll run after it he, you, he will he, run he, after he, that <laughs> That's exactly what the Golden Retriever of stand-up comedy would do, which is, I believe, myself as well. Uh-huh. But uh, so, but so she would have trouble. She would have trouble each night, and she went to the vault, man. She did material that was twelve years old. She tried to go to the audience. She worked her ass off uh-huh. for f- six shows. Yeah. And the third night, I think the the club owner comes up to me. He's like, "We're getting some people that aren't uh, that, that that are kind of walking that are, that aren't that psyched with the show." And I said. Yeah, I. Uh, he said I've decided not to tell Maria, and I was like, Yeah, she's not made of stone. I think she knows because <laughs> yeah. a couple of shows she didn't even come out to sell stuff. She oh, was yeah, like, yeah. No, no, yeah. not a chance. Yeah. And so by Friday night, um, it's you know it's getting better. It's getting better. And then weekend people drove. People drove like an hour and a half to come see the show. So it was, it was fine. So Saturday first show, the wife shows up. The club owner's wife, yeah. who is the other owner. Right. And first show Saturday, Maria has some trouble because I think it started at like what four thirty, five and <laughs> five in the afternoon. It started yeah, like yeah. like old people. Things close down at nine thirty in Erie, Pennsylvania. <laughs> oh man, they do. You have them get in and out. In and out. Yeah. And uh, and so she goes up. To, I guess she went up to Maria, and I wasn't there for this, but she goes up to Maria and is like, "Hey." um... You know, I thought your material would be a lot different from what we saw the tape. Things aren't going well, I hear, this week. And just laid it on super thick. Right. And Maria was just like, okay, well, why don't I not? uh, Jackie can close the second show. That'll be fine. Yeah. And the woman's like, what? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Backpedal, backpedal. And you're like, no, no, you broke it. You broke it. Fuck you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And so Maria comes up to me. She's like, will you please close the second show? And I was like, 
oh my god maria it'll you should just close and she said i'll pay you extra and i was like you don't have to pay me extra but whatever but the thing is is it's like yeah they they the guy was doing fine yeah. Maria was not going to come back, right? Uh, unless she was a bigger deal and right. th- she could fill the room by herself without you know grandma and grandpa sitting right. there. And the this, and then the the woman comes up to me and she's like, "So do you even have that kind of time?" After she decides to let you close, yeah. And I was like, "You're not good at this at all," <laughs> because I I when, when yeah. it's there's no filter, yeah. there's no fucking filter yeah. in my face. Sometimes I'm yeah. just like, and I said that, yeah, it's. It's just. When was the last time I had, I just had the thing the other day where a, a booker asked me if I would MC this uh, this room uh, as a favor yeah. for a week for like five hundred dollars no what? air and I was like, guess what? I'd rather wash your car yeah. as a favor. Holy shit! What's the favor? There's no favor and no. There's yeah. Weird. Yeah, but 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 what we're coming around to in 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 that conversation is that. You know, I mean, there are some comics that that started out in in a different um, world of comedy. I mean, you and I started out doing clubs, so you know yeah. how to play for anybody, right? And I like, can, I can indeed play for anybody. There's an Indian casino; it's a sports bar. I yeah, I mean, I've done it, and I and I know that I can. There's still part of me that, like, even though I'm getting more people who are coming to see me yeah. to to come, but I still like I don't exactly want everyone to be there to, to see me necessarily because right. the challenge of having a common language with just people that don't know who I am. Right. I still like that, but it backfires on me sometimes. You know, for the first time ever, and it only happened in one show, I did that comedy attic. You're going there, right? Yeah, I like it. Yeah. Nice, nice, beautiful little he's room. He's a very excited guy, that and guy. And he's an excited young man and psyched. Yeah. And, and has what I consider the right attitude. Yeah, and baby's at. always in the green room. Baby, was the baby in the green room baby when you were there? Baby was in the green room. Oh, yeah. Uh, but previously, the only other time I played it, baby still in the oven. Yeah. So, uh, also in the green room. <laughs> yeah. And uh, But the uh, first show, first show on the Thursday night, which I think is just the student show, right? Yeah. Um, Usually a good show, though. It was a great show. Yeah. And so I go into what is my new closing bit, which is that animal bit that I did, the uh, the animated thing. Did you see the anima- the cartoon of my animal? Get a new cat. Get a oh new yeah, dog. yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Okay, r- whatever. So um, everyone in the audience had seen it, and I was like, I was thrown. And there were two people in the audience um, at, at at two different tables, so there were at least like four or five people who had listened to both of my albums. A lot, and uh-huh. I was like, "How do you deal with that? I yeah. don't. You deal with that. You you have people have your albums. They know where you're coming from. They've that's, seen the history of. Well, that's well, that's the trick of like you know their expectation, right. you know, especially because of the internet. Like before, like you know, you put an album out. You know, maybe in a year, your fans would eventually get around to getting the album. Right. But now, like you know, the day before you get there, they can go online and see everything you've ever done. Listen to it all, yeah. and then they're like, and then go to the show. What else are you going to talk about? Right. It's like, yeah. are we machines? Right. Like sometimes, like I'll go on stage and literally, like I'll know when I get to the town. Like I better have an experience. I get, I get, <laughs> yeah. yeah okay. Janine told me that one time when she yeah. walked up to Old Largo. Yeah, and she said I had to go buy a CD today just to have something to talk about. Right. Yeah. Like, like, and, but I'm glad I have the confidence enough to try to do that. Yeah. But at least to make it fresh. But now, you know, when I talk about stuff and as we talk on the podcast and stuff, like my life is so like, open. When, <laughs> 
Unless Everyone, you, I only have four stories any given week. Right. So, new stories. But, I mean, did you find that the people were disappointed or were you just hard on yourself or what? I, they were not as dis. I, I was super. They're happy to see you. Yeah, they're psyched. And the guy told me, he said, well, in the beginning, one of the guys came up to me and said, yeah, I've been listening to your albums just over and over. They're so great. And I was like, well, prepare to hear it on shuffle. <laughs> Because uh, that's exactly what's about to occur, to, you know. And so I just looked at the guy and I was like, "Tell some weird story you've never told." Right. And so I did, and, and that, then and that helped, and that and it worked out. And at the end of it, he said, "Well, I'm coming back on Saturday, but you should know I want to hear those old stories. Those old stories are right. great." And I was like, "Okay, all right, good, that's right. good, yeah." All right. And that makes you feel a little better, yeah, because we're hard on ourselves, right? And what about the quality problem of having people come that actually know know your shit? Yeah, you're just like that is a that is a that's a good problem to have if things are working out. Well, that's why sometimes when I go out and and I know that you're you know quick enough on your feet and and have enough uh, comfort up there that if I get into a conversation with an audience member or if or if like I just start on something and they're encouraging about it, I'll fucking do it all I'll the way. I'll go there. Yeah. <laughs> what and, the hell? And then it ends up being the best part of the show. Yeah. Like, like sometimes I'll walk off like the only thing that I really loved about that show is when I dropped my water. <laughs> right, right. Because <laughs> something really happened. Something really happened. Yeah. Something new. Yeah. Yeah. And then yeah. something develops. Like I went to the Creation Museum in Cincinnati and right. like that night I got up there and I'm like, I was alive. And then if you do 10 minutes just off the top of your head, it almost like it throws blood into the rest of it. Yeah, yeah. Like all of a sudden it's like the heart at the at the core of the, right. of the act. Everything is alive. everything's alive. That's yeah. great. Yeah. Do you, you have that, right? I have that. I totally have that. That's the it's it's so hard. You know, people say, "Well, how, what's it like to do the same show every night?" And you're like, "Well, I love those jokes." Right. But, you know, if I never tell the vagina t-shirt joke again, I we all win. Right. Uh, it's on tape. And then the other thing is, though, like, as we go along in our careers, like, more people come along. Yeah. And they don't know that one. They don't know that one, and they love it. That's right. Yeah. They, and it's like, that's why it's a great joke. And it's so, a great joke, and there's not broken, and not everyone does. And I saw Bill Cosby, like, a year and a half ago. He closed on that dentist thing. Right. It was like, but it was, you know, he did it on purpose. You know, mm -hmm. he said, I'm not going to come back out. There's not really an encore. I'm just going to do this last joke. Right. And because he's 72. Right. And uh, <laughs> so, oh, my God, the previous time I saw him was um, was at the Orange County Fair. And he did when was it that? three years ago. So you've seen him twice? I've seen him twice. It was ridiculous because Andy, my husband, he was like, hey, I got a present for your, it was in the summer mm -hmm. for my birthday. He was like, hey, I got a present for you. And we drive to the Orange County Fair and I'm like, oh, I love a, a weird fair. This will be awesome. And uh, he's like, we're going to see Bill Cosby. And I was like, we're going to see comedy on my birthday. Comedy. <laughs> oh, okay. And he's like, no, no, we're going to see Bill Cosby. And I was like, yeah. okay. <laughs> and, and he was right because it was, I mean, it was work. I mean, I got to, I learned just sat there. He he dug a hole for himself. He did for like twenty minutes. He dug a hole, jumped into it, ate dirt, and then climbed out of it like nothing. I I just watched uh, about a month ago. I watched uh, Bill Cosby himself. Okay, which for what seemed like the first time for me. I've never seen it, and it it changed my approach. I mean, this is like two months ago. Really, it changed my approach because I watched him and I realized that you know he's so comfortable. At that time, it must have been early 80s. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he's just talking, really. Obviously, it's how he does it. Right. But it, it, what I learned from it is, like, you, if you want to wait for a laugh, just do it. Let, oh, just sit that's there. That's the hardest thing in the world for right. me. Yeah. It, it, it's like, there, you know, you have control of this situation. Right. If you believe that that one. laugh is there, <laughs> yeah. it, don't rush to it. Wait yeah. for it. 
Yeah. And then I tried it a couple times, and I remember the first time I did it, I'm like, all right, I'm going to take my time with this, and I dropped it, nothing. And I'm like, <laughs> what the fuck happened? Because no. how do we trust our instincts? Because I think some of us are so, you know, like, we're like, we're defensive, like, we're worried that the laugh isn't going to come. Yeah, yeah. So we're rushing to it, and then it's like, ah, and, here's and there it one. is. Here's right, another one. Right. Yeah. But, but if we really trust our instincts, why do we have to be so panicky about it? Right. Right. And that's what I learned from that. You know Stuart Lee, right? From UK. I interviewed him. Yeah, he's one of my favorite comics. Great. Talk he, about waiting. Oh my God, nobody celebrates a silence like that dude. He can just sit there. I saw him, we were in Perth together in Australia. But he's also very smart. And, so and, and, smart. And in complete control of, of his timing. Yeah. But I don't, like, sometimes, like, you know, with, but he's also, like, I, I did some interview, an interview with him, you should listen to, because it's pretty fascinating. Yeah, yeah, I've been I, meaning to. I just, I just met him, and, 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 uh, and someone turned me on to him, Hari Kondabolu, a young comic. With oh, just, right there? Yeah. Which, that's, Hari came up to me, he was like, you love Stuart Lee? And I was like, I do. He loves Stuart Lee. And he loves And he Stuart got me into him, but yeah. he, he really is a special special act and yeah. and I also learned that from him too that that it's not about it's not about a turn of phrase it's not about like uh, even surprise it's really about your confidence in your own fucking delivery yeah yeah he's just it's just and bill and to get back to bill yeah. cosby is that he is what I loved mostly about seeing him both times yeah. and he repeated one joke from the previous two years right in the hour and a half and besides the the dentist thing right and um but the what I loved about him was that he's been doing stand-up comedy for 45 years. He's still, and not to belittle it, but also to just sort of state it, he's just doing stand-up comedy. Right. He's not, he, you know, he's he's a genius, everybody's on board, but he's he's doing the same thing he was doing 40 years ago. Right. Which is telling the story of what happened this year. Right. And it's, it was, that was what I learned from him. I was like, oh my God, you don't really change. You just, I mean... You just keep doing what you the kind no, of sta- stand up you it, do, it, and, and I, I think that's true. And it's also the type of stand up that you and I do is that we're drawing from our own experience, we're telling stories. You know, we, we are invested in it in emotionally, right? You know, we don't have any distance because we're not creating you know one liners, right? So you know, it's really the pressure is on you, and and what what happens I think is that like I can't like sit down and say I got to write twenty minutes. You know, unless I have to do a TV show or, or there's a topic or a theme, I can do that. Right. But with my own stuff, like, I've got to be pushed to the edge of, like, I fucking hate myself. I hate my fucking act. <laughs> I don't know what to do. And then I'll get up on stage going, all right, yesterday. And then all of a sudden, like, I'm in it. Right. And then I'm like, okay, I'm going to yeah. hold on to that. <laughs> That's right, right. That's the best thing about it. And the thing, the greatest thing about the I have no idea podcast... where my joke comes from. Do you? No. Well, I don't. I know that um, it's usually... Like lately, it's been coming from a lot of fury and just like, I'm, I'm just like, I'm mad about something. God knows. Right. Like I'm mad about those dragon tattoo books. So, right. Because for two weeks, seriously, after reading those books, all I could think of was, was every sexual slight that had ever happened to me or anyone I knew. Because the implication of, of that and of Nancy Grace and of Court TV and of SVU Law and Order is that 98% of the men on this planet want to diddle small children and rape them. And guess what? They don't. I'm willing to take an, just as arbitrarily say that even if it's a bad person, a bad guy, he would help. Yeah. Yeah. 98% <laughs> yeah. of even the dirtbags in the world wouldn't let that go. Right. And I, and I know that because of, of how many times have I or and anybody else out there walked into a terrible, made a terrible life choice, essentially. Yeah. Followed some dude because f- he has weed or tr- booze or something. And you followed him into the dark. Yeah. And then you weren't killed. Yeah. And you weren't killed because most guys are just like, well, I hope she fucks me. Yeah. But 
oh no oh, oh we'll see you later yeah and yeah, that's yeah. it i mean that's Bitch. the whole right exactly. <laughs> maybe that yeah. maybe at the worst it's just like <laughs> asshole yeah and yeah. you know you're just i mean there isn't much more so i think that there's definitely comedy there you know i think in the well, in that, that, well, premise. That's that that world of like you know when any when everybody is so fucking you know like everyone's fucked everyone's evil everyone's this is that like what keeps civilization together is the idea that, that i think is reality that most people are good right they, they're morally dubious mentally sure and, plenty and, yeah pl- pl- and, plenty. And everyone's and in- got shit going on in their head and encouraged is what sure. I, is, is another but one. civilization functions because you know most people know on, yes. a, on a basic level that they they shouldn't do that you i'm don't... more john Locke than yeah. uh, than mr hobbs <laughs> i must i must say mm-hmm. yeah well i think i think it, uh, experience indicates that that's probably true i think so well, in my in my experience so now you know well getting back around to that that idea that you know when we do do the jokes that when you aren't dealing with a crowd that everyone knows you right now, obviously the expectation is to constantly generate new stuff but when you're where you and i are at yeah. where you're going to go to a club and there's going to be you know a, maybe a, a quarter of the room is just there for something you know comedy right comedy whatever that is that they're fucking thrilled that your old jokes that's the thing about like like recently someone said do a joke and they asked me to do a joke that i hadn't done in years right but it, it's a memorable joke and it fucking and it's a good joke yeah and it killed and i was like wow that that's sort of let's interesting. dust that off it's like let's see if the car still starts up <laughs> <laughs> you know yeah i always call it uh um whenever i whenever i'm in a show you know and this is more jackassery is the fact that i'm in a show where too many people are trying stuff yeah and it's not going Right. And you feel like you have to, like, I'm going to put like, on a show. I'm going to actually, these people actually paid. I'm yeah. going to go to the vault and yeah. I'm going to, uh, like, do some of the old stuff. And, you know, I mean, and, and there's a trick to it. You yeah. do the, you open with the old, you close yeah. with the old, sure. and you work on the stuff in the middle. That's and right. It's fine. Yeah. There, you know, you can't, like, that's the one thing about comedy now is that, you know, people will go out and do, you know, professional shows and they're right. like, you're doing the notebook. Right. And and right. they don't have anything to necessarily bookend it with. There is no vault. The vault right. is yeah. it's pretty empty. Yeah, it's, it's they're building new. the vault yeah. as they're as they're going along. Yeah, yeah. And they're talent you know, yeah. I mean they're they can be very talented and very funny sure. people, but but to be that new and to and to you know, and you run into these these people that are like, Well, I have forty minutes. Do you? Do you have forty minutes? <laughs> that's all of it. Right. That's every dime. Yeah, yeah. That's every dime in your savings account. Uh, isn't that weird to be where we're at now and to know that like, you know, we've got a couple hours under our belt and that it's all there. There's stuff on my first CD that I did twice. Right. Right, right. Well that's yeah, that's it. I mean on I think on my second C D I had a, a, a bonus section called Bits Nobody's Ever Enjoyed. Yeah. Except me. <laughs> and uh, just help knock yourselves out. And so, you know you did a separate uh, track. Well, it was just like one of those. I didn't understand. I don't really understand the bonus track situation yeah, where I'm just like, it's just more comedy. We're yeah, just going to let you have some of that. I had a record producer. He said, like, I like to hide a track. Oh right! Like the you know, there's a secret track, and I'm you like, gotta play it backwards. Yeah. And I'm like, don't. Why, why are you gonna? But I, I, I'm not trying to hide my jokes. He's like, it's just for me. I'm like, oh, all right, I don't then know. do whatever you want. I, I don't really know if my third CD has something hidden on it. <laughs> I, I have no idea. I was not informed. You were not let in on so it. So what? Where did which last comic standing were you on? I was on 2006 and 2008. Two. I, yeah, I was and on what's two. What's the highest you got? I've both times made it to the semifinals. NBC never wanted to go in a Jackie Cajun direction. So we had to call it we had to call it semifinals. <laughs> did they, did you find that that got you new people? Oh yeah. yeah. More people have seen those the crazy 4-minute sets I've done on Last Comic Standing than they've seen my half hour special on Comedy Central. Yeah, my first half hour I did not like. Uh, and I, now that everything's available and I you know there's certain screaming. things where I wish would uh, just go away. Just just go away. I mean, do, do you are you on rooftop? 
comedy? Yeah, a bit, I think. Because uh, I, I did their festival, so they pulled things. Oh, it cracks me up, the whole rooftop thing. And I've talked to them about it, and they fixed a bunch of it. But um, Because for a little while, they were airing everything. Oh. And I was like, hi, uh, <laughs> that joke's not done. Uh, everyone doesn't Where need to- Where did they get it? Well, like, you know, because you play different- I was in Atlanta at the Laughing Skull. Oh, and they have and that. And then I'm at Acme, and the, you know, and they have the the, the, the players in the clubs. What I is mean, like You should be working everywhere. I know, and I should be. Because you know what? Because the thing, it's like, you, you know, like like I don't have a PA agent. Do you have a PA person? I just got one, yeah. They just, I've had a couple in the past. Yeah. And they just, they never get me anything any more than I get myself. Yeah. So it's always kind of moot. Mm-hmm. But um, it's fine. And, but it's, it's, there should be, the fact that I'm willing to go places and yeah. people don't, and people always, always have fun. I yeah. swear to God. They, yeah. I mean, I'm not tooting my own horn. Yeah. People always have a good time. Yeah. So, uh so everybody in your towns and uh, and and villages, <laughs> feel free to call. Good for a good time. Good for a good time. Why don't you call your comedy club up there, Mark Ridley? Hmm? Anybody? Comedy Castle. Uh, and uh, <laughs> yeah, it's so fucking crazy. But oh, crazy. so rooftop. You told them to reel I, I, it in. Yeah, yeah. I was just like, guys. Yeah, and so yeah. that joke isn't. You know, just yeah. call it. You don't have to show every thirty-two second bit that you think is kind of funny and has potential. Yeah. yeah. They they got something up on Hulu that I have no the I have no fucking idea what it is. It was before I got sober. It was from the Chicago. Chicago Comedy Fest. I've been up for three days, and it's a ten-minute set at Zanies. Weird. And, and I was like, out of everything, and Hulu's one of those well-traveled sites. I mean, yeah. people go to that, and I'm people like, are there. how the fuck is that up there? Right. Like, I, I, like, I what don't. What did even, you sign? I don't even remember <laughs> the weekend. Yeah. Like, you know, oh. I was smoking on stage. Right. I'd been doing blow for two days. Man. And you know, it, it's not a horrible set, but I, I'm, you know, I'm like, why that one? I'm sweaty. Right. I'm bar- Frank Caliendo is hosting before he's anybody. Wow. And like, I'm like, how did that get out there? Man. Whatever. It's, it's brutal. Let's talk about your back. Let's. <laughs> so, yeah, before we had to change the time because your right. body work person was coming. And I, I I get body work done. That's right. And, uh, yeah, no, I'm just, I'm a big fan of um of the hippie, you know, the, the, the hippie medicine. I'm willing to rattle the bones and look at the moon. And well, I hope mean, it body all work better. is less hippie than, you know, than other things. Well, like things. I have a chiropractor and I have an acupuncturist and I don't have a general practitioner. What is your problem? What is it? <laughs> What is my problem? No, I mean, um, why do you need the? What you got a back wh- issue? Well, yeah, it's uh, one of my legs is um like it, it's like one's higher than the other. Like one one side of my pelvis is higher than the uh-huh. other. Too much info, uh-huh. but um, that's all right. But there's a lot of there's a lot of beeswax. Um, oh, because of that lifetime yeah, of yeah. walking wrong. Right, I walk wrong, right. and so I have uh, this weird low back or hip yeah. issues, and um and as we get older, it's no just going to be I could fall down, yeah. I could have hip dysplasia. Yeah, it's whatever. That wouldn't be hip dysplasia. But the, uh, yeah, so I've been going, like, about 15 years ago, I got rolfed. Yeah. And rolfing is that thing where they take all your muscles off the bones and knead it like bread and let your bones sort of reset. So it's sort of like shaking your skeleton out so that everything, you know, like you have a better posture. Did it work? It really did. It worked for, like, five, six years. Huh. And it was a grand because you get 10 different sessions or something like that. Oh, so a grand for 10. For 10 sessions, yeah. It was like 100 bucks a session. an institute or... Yeah, Ida Rolf is the woman's name, and it's a, it's in Denver or Colorado, like that. The you only, went there. I didn't. Uh, oh. There was a there was a, a franchise of something. Well, some guy had been trained trained there. He was dreamy too. It was quite awkward. Uh-huh. And because uh, you know they're up in your business. Yeah. Like they're like he's working like the inside of my legs uh-huh. when I'm like whatever. Yeah. And um, and so now I'm going to this woman. So Ida Rolf, 
uh, did this thing. She had a kid who yeah. couldn't walk. Right. And she was a medical doctor in the 30s, uh-huh. uh, which is interesting enough as it yeah. is. And then um, she decided that the reason he couldn't walk is because his joints were locked up. Yeah. And she thought if you could if you could release all the fascia, which holds all the muscles, is the outside of the muscles. Yeah. Um, it could loosen up his um, his his joints, sort of shake out his skeleton, and he'd be able to walk. And and so she started doing it. I think he was like five or six years old. And by the time he was fifteen or sixteen, he could walk. Huh? Yeah. Oh, that's well. That's the re- big resume piece. Right. That, right. I mean, that's the sell story. that. Yeah. That's the story to sell. That's the and pitch. Yeah. So then uh, this guy went to the Rolfing Institute. His name is Joseph Heller. Uh-huh. And, uh And the way to get not the, the writer of Catch Twenty Two. Not the writer of Catch Twenty Two. Good book. Yeah. Good book. And, uh, and he so, also had some muscular problems later in life. Did he? Yeah, but clearly not the same guy. It's clearly not. Yeah. That, you know what? I always thought that his name was familiar. Yeah. I wonder if I'm, if I'm whatever. Okay. Somebody Google it. Yeah. So uh, the, but but he he was and the only way to get anywhere I guess in the in the body work massage therapy industry yeah. is to create your own thing. Right. Is to say, well, now we're doing the Heller work. Yeah. And if you go to hellerwork.org, yeah. it's like that. Uh-huh. But it's so it's it's that deep tissue massage business. Yeah. But there's also like a therapy type of thing where they talk to you during it. Uh-huh. And uh, it's this whole thing about, about like, um, yeah. It That's was, very different than the male dream of the happy ending. You right, know? right. The ha- This is the happiest lady ending ever where you get to <laughs> chitter chat and, and cry and scream. And it's pretty awesome because supposedly like, you know, there's emotional memories in your muscles. Yeah. And once they release the, the fascia and the tendons and the muscle, once they get in there, they can get to where you were beaten right. as a child, and then yeah. you can go. I hated that. Yeah, and then hopefully- and that happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I almost started crying. I went to a voice lesson. Just opening my diaphragm almost teared me up. Oh, that'll do it. Holy do shit! It. So wait, so okay, soccer punched. Uh, something no. <laughs> something must happen i don't know but like i know that when i've been massaged or or even sometimes in yoga that you can feel emotions being released in that in like in in your midsection mostly or <sighs> I, i'm trying to think when it's happened but I, I mean i've heard that happening but you're coached out of them yeah 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 the, they like try to coach you... it they try to they try she tries to get you to like literally go like so what do you think about this area of your body? Because like the first session oh was oh my god, I'm getting emotional just here. Was that. Uh, was rib cage mm. and and uh, and lungs and stuff. Yeah. And then uh, the second one was my legs. Yeah. And then the third one was the side of my bodies, my bodies, yeah. my body, and it was um, all the way down like the left side and all the way down the right side. Yeah. And it was you know, it was very like the the I've had three sessions and the first session and the third session. I spent the entire time just screaming, just swearing and screaming, but not in pain. Yeah. Um, it was more, emo- it literally, it was more emotional pain. Like, rolfing sometimes 15 years ago left me with some bruises. Yeah. Like cupping. Yeah. To some extent. Yeah. We'll leave you with some bruises. Right. I don't mind cupping. Yeah. Uh, cupping is nice, acupuncturists. And uh, that's with the flames. In the- uh, no, I think it's just uh, they're metal suction cups and they go squeak, 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 squeak. Oh, oh, and they, oh, they, and they, they lock on. They lock onto your like back leeches. and they, they're like leeches and they suck all the. Oh. Chinese uh, bad energy. I've had that. I, I, I my, my first wife uh, had uh, was recovering from uh, um, meningitis, and she was on the oh. teas with the bugs and the, like the special Chinese teapots and the acupuncture oh, tea. The, and, oh, the 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 junk, the the crazy stick tea. Yeah, stick tea. But there's all kinds of things. If you go to a Chinese pharmacy, it's like going to a natural history museum. Yeah, Andy wouldn't let me cook it. 
you're, you're in the house. Yeah, because it stinks. it stinks. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's like going to like a pile of leaves. Yeah, digging underneath but it, there's, grabbing they, a handful. Yeah, and she used to do that. And then I went to acupuncture for smoking and stuff. It definitely does something, right? But your your husband's not into it. No, no, he's he's not into it. He's uh he's incredibly normal. What do you mean? Like he just believes Western medicine is Western medicine? No, no, no. He's on he's it. on board and with um. He'll hear it out, but he doesn't even want to go to the dentist. Yeah. Like, he's just sort of a guy yeah. about the whole thing where yeah. he's just like, that's fine. You know, yeah. um, you should go to that. Yeah. And, and, and he, I, he went to, uh, he called it, uh, he went to some hippie doctor that he called his shaman for a while when we first started dating that some, some friend of his, a goth friend of his turned him on to. And he, he but he, he did that. But he, he did that, but, and, but he's not, you know, he's, he's hesitant about it. You know, because huh. he, maybe he had a bad experience with a shaman. That he had a terrible off. experience with a chiropractor when he was a kid because he had a, a what's what's that thing with the scoliosis? He had scoliosis. Oh. So, so I that probably bad... scarred him. Yeah. So, so it maybe... scarred him from all the hippie, hippie doctors. Of the so world. maybe if he ever come back around and went to your massage therapist, mm-hmm. that he would cry about that experience with the <laughs> chiropractor. <laughs> it would l- If he could somehow it. get that shoulder just yeah. to really work in there and it would just be like, I hated that guy in Oroville, California. Oh, maybe that's it. That's where he grew up, Oroville. I don't even know where that is. It's outside of San Francisco. It's a little mining town, as you can well imagine. Huh. Uh-huh. So your 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 therapist canceled on you today. So she canceled today. And she how was do you like, "Feel about that?" I I felt uh, I felt used. I felt uh, abused. I felt <laughs> rejected. A little rejected, negative, uh-huh. negative. About and what was uh, her excuse? She didn't give me one. She mm. just said, "Hey, can we reschedule for Friday morning?" And I was like, "Of course we can. Mm. Yes, we can." And then I was like, "I felt you sucked the emotion it. down. That there was a, you have a Midwestern filter that just I do. literally I, emotions I will come stuff up that. and boom, I felt it go right down." Mm-hmm. I have tried to talk about this and the fact is the only thing I know about having a relationship yeah. is I have learned from male comics because yeah. I never had a relationship before this this relationship. Yeah. I always just got laid on yeah. the road, right? Yeah. And so I love that you did that. That's well every year and a half I'd get drunk enough and screw up my courage and lie there and think of England. Whatever. But it was just like it was not the so best. Every times. year and a half you'd get laid on the road. I know, I know. You're like, how is that possible? I just gotta do it. I just I need a tune up or some horrible analogy that is probably more ladylike. Anyway, but the thing is, is it's um what if if people see a lot of stand up comedy, yeah. especially road comedy, yeah. you will meet guys who are married, and that's all I knew about being married, which is that women will steal all your money, yeah. they will stop having sex with you once you get married, and they're bitches, man. They're all bitches. So I have spent like the last four years of my life making sure that I am not hemorrhaging his money, that everybody's happy in the sack, we're having a good time in the sack, right? Everybody's having fun, and then if I have a negative emotion, I like to stuff it. <laughs> <laughs> so that we don't have to deal with it and then talk about it on the radio. Perfect. So. <laughs> well, I think we've covered it, Jackie. I think we have. I think, holy smokes. Yeah. That, that, was, feel... that was some amazing stuff. Well, do you want to leave it there? Yeah, I think so. Jackie think Station, so. thank you for coming to the Cat Ranch. Thanks for having me. That's our show. I love Jackie Cation. I love you people. Hope it didn't drain you at all. Hope everything's okay. Hope you have a great Christmas, and I hope you enjoy the live one this this Thursday. It's very funny. Please be careful out there, and go to WTFPod.com for all your WTF Pod needs. Kick in some money. Be giving, would you? I'm, I'm trying to earn a living here. <laughs> You're in Albuquerque on the 26th. Uh, we just added a show at the Cell Theater. Uh, go go to that. Go to go look up the Cell Theater in Albuquerque and come to one of those with Nato Green and Alex Cole. It's going to be fun. 
I'm going to see my dad. Maybe you'll meet my dad if you come. Uh, go to punchlinemagazine.com. Enjoy that. Standuprecords.com. Enjoy that. Justcoffee.coop, because that, that shit is fucking necessary. Oh, I'm heavy-hearted. Happy holidays. Here we go.